Welcome to Faith and Fable, a pastoral podcast that discusses common and often controversial topics from a biblical perspective. My name is Matt Miller. And I'm Matt Henry. And today we're finishing, finally, da-da-da-da-da, Ecclesiology on Systematic Theology. This is it. This is it. Kind of glad. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it's pretty bad when you're kind of sick and tired of talking about the church, but... (laughs) (laughs) The doctrine that never ends. We're going to deal with the purpose of the church. Just kind of summarize up. You know, what what is its purpose? It's a very simple, short uh, episode, and that's what we want to do. And then we'll start to go into eschatology after this. So we hope everyone will enjoy that. Um, Over the last several episodes, uh, we do hope that you got helped in some small way, though, to appreciate what the church represents, how it ought to be held in great esteem. Um, it is actually rather heartbreaking to watch people treat it in a casual, optional manner, for for really it, it is not. It's a vehicle through which God is working in this fallen age in which we walk and breathe. And so when we speak about the casual manner that's seen in our culture, we're not merely speaking of the occasional attender who loves to post a picture of the outdoors with the well-trod statement, this is my church. Um, We're talking about pastors who turn this holy vessel into a means for self-enrichment, pep talks, moral instruction void of the power of the gospel. And this includes those who are driven by the latest poll research and polls and research ever search. Oh boy, I'm still recovering from sickness, so my brain's not working good. Let's try that again. This includes those who are driven by the latest polls and research, ever shifting to attract and to maintain the numbers. In fact, Matt and I were talking about a year ago how churches all of a sudden became interested in so-called expository preaching because some research said that that's what the people wanted. But in reality, it wasn't very expository, nor was it really preaching. But if you repeat it enough, people will believe most anything but it ends up hurting the church anyhow. And we saw this in a unique way with the COVID. Uh, it, it is one thing to pull back when there are large unknowns related to a new virus. It's a whole other thing to continue to pretend that the church is essential while staying home. Many church leaders continue to placate those who want their services to be delivered to their TVs so they can continue to stay at home. So with that little mini rant said, we want to talk about the purpose of the church. Why does it exist? We have uh, here then six different purposes of the church that we want to consider. And so the first one is uh, to guard the truth. So uh, that is one of the the purposes. So 1 Timothy 3.15, Paul says this, he writes, I write, so that you will know how one ought to conduct himself in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and support of the truth. So there are two phrases uh, in that verse. Um, You have the church of the living God, and then secondly, you have the pillar and support of the truth. 
Uh, these two phrases are in something known as apposition to one another. So, so not opposition, OPP, apposition, APP. I don't know why, but I always you find like great one? joy in using that word. Do, do you also know um, the exegetical term for that? It's it's ep exegetical. Oh yes, yeah. So all these fun fun words for you. Yeah. Um, there will be a test at the end of this episode. We should make some uh, theological toilet paper. <laughs> <laughs> Where did that come from? <laughs> I don't know. Um, I'm full from lunch. Uh, so they're in apposition. <laughs> Theologic. I don't even know what to do. Word of the day. Uh, Toilet paper, but with theology terms. <laughs> Just teaching them how to redeem the time. <laughs> I don't know. Um, so that, <laughs> <laughs> that's all yours. You want to write his email addresses? No, go yeah, ahead. For three days, it will be Matt Miller at missyourdayfellowship.org. <laughs> <laughs> um, so. Uh, when something's in apposition to something else, it, it just means it's, it's one and the same. They're saying the same thing. It's just a different way of saying it. So here, uh, the church of the living God is set in apposition to the pillar and support of the truth. So the church does not produce truth. That's the point here to understand. Rather, it holds high and defends God's truth as truth. And the way that it does that is uh, by unleashing the word. Uh, and if you think about what what is so sick about the Western church today is that it all centers on the horrid way that they view uh, the scripture. Um, so many are, are apologizing for it, they reward it, uh, or they'll just flat out ignore it. All right, the second purpose is worship. Uh, this is done in various ways, but they're all described very succinctly, really, in Acts 2.42. Uh, they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Um, we can add the ordinance of baptism as well, and you have the essence of Christian worship, which is interesting, though, because when you think about people and they talk about worship, um, it's it really is an ex a spiritual experience that they're thinking they're going to feel, um, but that's not what worship is about. Um, uh, true Christian worship is, is very simple and actually rather boring. Um, we gather to hear the Word taught. We share in this truth, and we share in the life which, uh, that we have in Christ through the Lord's Supper. And as we do this, we sanctify it through prayer and supplications to our Father in heaven, who bids us to come and to lay our requests before Him. And when you do that, you've done worship. So Paul points out that in the Lord's Supper, uh, that in the Lord's Supper, a key element uh, in our fellowship and worship is the act of remembering our Lord. And so he says in uh, 1 Corinthians 11, verses 23 to 26, he says, For I have received from the Lord that which I have also delivered to you, that the Lord in the night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you drink or eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Uh, okay, then the third one is evangelism. So uh, this was established by Christ to his apostles. 
at the end of the gospel, uh, the famous one known as the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 19 through 20, he says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Uh, that was also repeated in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Uh, where he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest parts of the earth. Uh, this work is, is described here as starting in our own locales and then spreading outward. So the church exists to function in, in the neighborhoods, uh, but also to the nations as heralds of the gospel. And the goal is to establish their new local churches which are able to grow into maturity and begin to do the same work themselves so it's it is not merely to to preach the gospel yeah i remember we had a, a couple of guys come it was a one of my major regrets as a pastor and teach evangelism but one of the things that concerned me early on and actually came to head was that they would go out onto the streets and they would preach um in some way or another the gospel but you know, they had no plan as if somebody made a profession of faith or wanted to inquire more. They had no plan whatsoever as to establishing them into a local church or starting a local church with those that may have come to faith. They said, no, that's that's not our job. Our job is just to preach the gospel. And you know, and, and I knew that that was wrong. And so, like I said, it, it was the beginning of the end of, of their work. But um, it's never just preaching the gospel. That's not just the task. The task is to then, as you see them, that's what you see with Paul, right? Is is that they they'll, they'll make a local church, and then that becomes a new beachhead, if you will, for the the gospel. I don't know if I'm making sense. Anyhow, the fourth uh, therefore is therefore equipping the church to do the work of the service. Um, so the fourth is equipping the church to do the work of uh, ministry. In Ephesians 4, 11 through 13, he, it says, He gave some as apostles, some of prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to a mature, to the mature I'm sorry, to the measure of the statue which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Now, this passage is oft forgotten by both church leadership and the congregation. It's actually not a good thing to do. The task of the leadership is to equip the people to service. Uh, the task is not finished until each local church is in unity with one another in the faith, meaning that body of doctrine. And that is no small task if you're always bringing in new believers. And the goal, then, is to function as a corporate whole in the likeness of Christ himself. So, again, uh, equipping the church to do the work of the ministry or services is the next purpose. Um, and then uh, a fifth one would be to produce mature, stable believers. So Ephesians 4.14 is a good passage. He says, as a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by the craftiness and deceitful scheming. Um, the church is, of course, God's vehicle for evangelism, and it is to be the supporter of God's truth. So 
there should not be any surprise to find that false teachers seek to invade and then infect the church. Um, and this is a con consistent challenge for pastoral ministry in an immature church. Uh, and because most of the people are, are likely to be tossed here and there, um, as, as a local church begins to grow and stabilizes, you'll find that the leadership will have more people helping to raise up mature believers. Um, and, and that, again, is, is the great evil of uh, dumbed-down sermons that are more about relevance rather than truth. Yeah, that, that, I think that's the thing that frustrates me is the number of times you'll meet people who've been going to church for years, and, and yet they're absolutely clueless of anything resembling sound doctrine. Yeah. Um, and it's like, what has that pastor been doing? It is a, a wonderful thing, though, when the truth is being taught and now the people in the church are starting to, mm -hmm. to grow and you realize you're, you don't have to run around as the single person making certain people aren't wandering off into folly or false teaching. Yeah. Rather, the people yeah. themselves are doing the teaching and correcting yeah. in certain ways. Yeah, it does make the, it's the difference of sanity versus insanity for a poor pastor. If if he does come in to a church week, yeah, he's usually one doing all of it. But as it stabilizes, you're right, things calm down because more people are alongside him dealing with it becomes before it becomes a big forest fire or something. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and then uh, in 1 Timothy 1, 3 through 4, um, Paul there gives another statement to Timothy uh, as, as to why he had to stay there at Ephesus. And he says, as I urged uh, you upon my departure from Macedonia, remain at Ephesus. Why? So that uh, you may instruct certain men not to teach strange doctrines nor to pay attention to myths and endless genealogies, which give rise to mere speculation rather than furthering the administration of God, which is by faith. It, that's a good one because uh, a lot of people wonder why, you know, we're always trying to point out the error, the, the wrong or the faulty mm -hmm. teaching. It's like, well, that's because that's one of your primary jobs as he instructs Timothy here to do. Yeah, and it's so funny because 2,000 years ago, this was written, but it's the same garbage today, right? Not to pay attention to myths and endless genealogies and speculations. And there's always somebody proposing something. Um, and it's the same old, same old. Yep. And, you know, and the task is to stand against that. Well, it's why the name of this is not just faith. It's right. faith and fable. You got to help people see with the fably things. Yeah. Yep. Okay, then the final one is uh, to practically care for fellow believers. So in 1 Timothy 5, we see that we're commanded to care for faithful widows in the church. And in Acts 6, the early church had a small crisis to resolve uh, with what amounted to a type of racism or partiality that was occurring. And, and they responded rightly and well. And when you look at the many uh, one another's, what a lot of people don't understand is that uh, that these are reflexive in nature, meaning uh, I am to do it for you and you are to do it for me. So we both pray for the other. Too often what we allow, uh, too often we allow someone to wind their way into oblivion as to complain that no one does anything for them when the reality is that they do nothing for others. So when you think about doing the one another's and you're depressed because you're, you don't feel like others are 
bearing your burden. The question you want to ask is flip that on yourself and say, and who are you bearing? What burdens are you bearing for others? Because that's how it functions, and and that's the care for one another, is that the church comes alongside each other, and we lift each other up, and we care for each other. We show kindness and patience and love uh, and mercy toward one another. Anyhow, that's it. That's it. Uh, so six six purposes of the church. Uh, we would argue that none of these can be properly observed apart from the local church. And, and so with that in mind, we want to urge each of you who is able-bodied to go uh, gather with a sound local church and worship. Uh, seek to do good to your brothers and sisters. Seek to learn, teach, love, and remember. Uh, the church is, is worth it. It is worth remembering that Jesus never promised to build anything other than his church, uh, and that even the gates of hell would not triumph over her. Um, so our exhortation to you after all this is so go to church. <laughs> um, so that ends our, our section on ecclesiology. So we would say uh, buckle your seatbelt as we get ready to head into the ever so controversial subject of eschatology. Uh, but until then, make sure to tune in, join the conversation. We'd love to hear your thoughts on eschatology uh, and what annoys you or what is confusing to you about that. Um, and don't forget to like, share, comment, rate, and review. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and tell a friend. Mm-hmm.